Welcome to the Discover You Podcast with your host, James Hooper, spiritual and personal discovery author, speaker, teacher, and coach. James helps you find who you were created to be and guides you to the most fulfilling life you can experience. On this podcast, we'll guide you through discovering what energizes and motivates you, why you think the way you think, act the way you act, and react the way you react. We'll learn together how to grow through spiritual truths to become the best version of yourself possible. If you haven't yet, please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Also, you can go to your favorite podcast platform and leave a review and rating. This will help others find us so they can begin their own growth journey. Recently, I was in Copperas Cove, Texas to do some leadership training for a group of church leaders. And I was speaking on becoming self-aware, that every leader needs to be self-aware. We need to know about our blind spots. We need to know our strengths and our weaknesses. And we need to know our giftedness. And so this is part one of two parts. It was about 45 minutes long, so I split it down into two episodes so you could hear it. But there's some really good nuggets in this episode and the next one. I hope you can listen all the way through. Also, I want to ask you to subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to rate and review it. Also, there's a link on the podcast description if you'd like to support this. It helps to defray the cost of production, publishing, and those sort of things. So there's a link there that you can actually do a monthly support. As little as you want and as much as you want, that would be greatly appreciated. Again, don't forget to subscribe. The website, again, is discoveryou-book.com. Discoveryou-book.com. Go there. You can click a link and download the assessment for the motivational gifts. You can take that. It also has the very first chapter of the book, Discover You, that you can read. And then there's a link that you can order the book online. Avail yourself of all those things. There's a media page as well that you can see videos and then this podcast is on there. So listen to this episode, and I think you're going to find this very interesting. But tonight I want to talk about self-awareness. I want to talk about how leaders have to be very self-aware when they're leading other people. Now, this is going to apply not just to church leadership, but to family leadership and to in the corporate world. It's going to apply. But the one thing all leaders need is to be self-aware. Until we can see ourselves the way the others do, we'll be deceived most of the time. Now see, part of the reason we need to be self-aware is because we have blind spots. Now if you're not aware that you have blind spots, then they're really truly blind spots. Because a lot of us don't see things about our character, about our nature, about uh, our personality. We, see, we don't see things that could be a detriment. And there are some things that actually are benefits that we don't see. And so what's going to be helpful is if you have a way of discovering those blind spots. So we can go through life having a singular perspective. Or we can learn more about ourselves. Larry Stevens, who is an author, says if the only tool you have is a hammer, you tend to see every problem as a nail. In other words... You only have one perspective on things. You don't only look at things one way. You don't have an open mind about situations, about personnel problems, about personal problems and that sort of thing. So we have to learn to see things with a little more openness, a little more open mind. 
John Maxwell, in his book Winning with People, uh, says the big picture principle is the entire population of the world, with one minor exception, is composed of others. The entire population of the world, with one minor exception, is composed of others. So there are more than us in this world. I know it's kind of hard to believe sometimes that the world does not revolve around us. I tend to think that, and my wife will remind me periodically, no, this is not your world, and you're just letting me live in it. Everybody else lives in the same world, and so I have to consider other people when I'm making decisions, when I'm doing things, when I'm approaching different situations, I have to consider other people. And then uh, one more quote I've got, and it's actually my quote. It says, if we can see the world through the eyes of others, we'll be exponentially more effective as a leader and as a human. So we don't need to be blind to our blind spots. And if you don't want to know what I'm talking about, blind spots, when you're driving a car, you can see the rearview mirror. You can see what the rearview mirror shows you. You can see your side mirrors. You can see what they show you. But I happen to be fortunate enough to have a car that when someone pulls up in the space that I can't see them in my rearview mirror and I can't see them in my side mirror, a little light lights up on my side mirror. And that's my blind spot monitor. And it says, there's someone in my blind spot. In other words, I can't see them. They're there, and it could be detrimental if I did something that affected them. So we need to have a warning system. We have, need to have something in our lives that shows us the blind spots that we have in our life, the things that we can't see. And what that's going to involve is other people in your life. Now, see, we have to have people in our lives we can trust that, are, that don't have their, be, their own best interest at heart and have them help us to learn to find our blind spots. Now, it's, it's very beneficial when you have leaders such as Pastor Brent and Pastor Billy and Pastor Gail, when you have those kind of leaders, people you can trust that you can go to and say, listen, am I missing something? Is there something that I'm missing? I've, I've been approaching this one way. I've been looking at it this way, but I seem to be missing something. And they can, can give you another perspective that you didn't have before. Now, see, it's not your fault you didn't have that perspective because you may not have grown up around someone with that perspective. You may not have grown up around a group or, or been involved with a group that has that sort of perspective. But when you have multiple people involved, the Bible says in a multitude of counsel is wisdom. So when you have multiple people involved, you need to be vulnerable enough to say, listen, I'm, there's something I'm not getting. There's something I'm missing. And they will, in love, point that out to you and, and show you what they see. So we need to put people in our lives. And then we also need to kind of adjust where we see. You know, so, so look at me. I'm going to do the analogy of the, the mirrors again. So you've got the rear view mirror, and you can only see through the back window, okay? But you've got the side mirrors, and for some reason, I have this thing that I have to see the back end of the car in my mirror. But there is also a technique that, that, that is called, let me see what it's called, it's called the BGE method. It's called the blind spot glare elimination. So you set the mirror to as far out as it will go, so you can see further around than you could see if you have that where you can see the end of the car. Now see, I, I've tried that. Once I heard this technique, I tried that and I'm very nervous about it. I don't know why. I can see more. I can see more of what's going around because I don't need to see the end of my car. I know what's going on at the end of my car. 
but I just had that, that whole comfort level. And see, that's something that we have to guard against is letting our comfort level keep us from growing as leaders. And so I, you have to maybe adjust those mirrors out to where you can see farther out and you can get more of a viewpoint of what's going on. But we have to let, get out of that comfort zone. So these are some things that we can do to, to get rid of blind spots. Again, this is all part of being self-aware. Now, number two, you need to know your strengths and your weaknesses. You need to understand, do I have this tendency to run over people or do I have the tendency to let people run over me? I need to know my strengths. I need to know my weaknesses. See, once you have these things identified, you can put safeguards in place. Now, with, uh, you can put safeguards either well, like with a direct supervisor in, in your work world, uh, with a co-worker or peer, uh, with employees or subordinates, and even with loved ones. You can put these things in place. You realize, listen, I have these uh, weaknesses. Case in point, uh, I, I, I think when I was younger, I'm not making a confession, I just think when I was younger, I was ADD because they didn't, they didn't diagnose back then because it was not beneficial to have windows in our classrooms for me because I would be sitting there in school and all of a sudden about 15 minutes later I realized I had left the building and then I woke then oh I bet I needed to know what they just said and so I drifted off and I still have that tendency because my mind because I analyze things all the time and I'm I'm a visionary person. I'm always thinking. I'm always processing. My wife says, your mind never stops. And I said, I know. I know. It just never stops. So when she and I are having a conversation, I have gotten to the point now where I have to say, okay, you're going to have to repeat what you just said because I left you for a while. And she understands it wasn't because I didn't like what she was saying. She understands I love her. I've put this safeguard in place. I said, listen, when I leave you for a little while, it's not because you're boring me. It's because my mind is thinking about something else. It's th it just goes off somewhere else. And so I have to say, okay, could you please repeat what you just said because I left for a little while. And she's gotten to where she wasn't, isn't offended at me anymore. So I had to put these safeguards. I know that's a weakness of mine. It's a strength because I'm analytical, because I'm visionary, because I'm always coming up with solving problems and those sort of things. My mind's going all the time. It's a strength, but it's also a weakness in interpersonal relationships. And so we need to know our strengths and our weaknesses. So that brings me to the advertisement for my book because of the fact that it's based on the seven motivations and I got these out of Romans chapter 12 Romans chapter 12 we call them the motivational gifts now the term motivational is not in the text but it's a term to give us some definition of what they are what they are is what if you look at what you want to do things that you love to do it energizes you when you do them so I say what energizes you motivates you and so if you understand what, what motivates you, then you have a better perspective on what you can do in the church that's most effective. Now, Andy Stanley says you can be more productive by doing less if you do what you do best and let somebody else do what you don't do best. Now, see, growing up in a church, usually the very small churches, we had to do everything. My dad had to be the everything. 
We mowed the yard on Saturday because it needed to be mowed before Sunday. We cleaned the toilets on Saturday. We, you know, picked up all the trash. We did everything because that's what we had to do because we had small churches. But as you have people like you guys in place, the st strategic thing is for Pastor Brent and Pastor Billy and Pastor Gail to focus on what they do best. Listen, let me do what I do best because then I can empower you to do what you do best and you'll be more fulfilled. Instead of a drudgery saying, well, why don't you just, I don't know, just do something. Just go do something. You can be strategic about it. Case in point. So we talk about the seven motivations and I'll just talk about all seven of them and kind of give you some pros and cons. So the very first one, and in the book I wrote it to fit the corporate setting so there's no scripture references, there's no Christianese, so it'll fit both contexts, but it's still the truth, it's still the Bible. So in the King James Version it says prophecy. The number one is prophecy. I call it perceiving. So the thing about people with prophecy or perceiving is, is they say what they think. They declare the truth, right or wrong, black or white, and they are quality control people. So the, benef the benefits of that is they see right to the heart of an issue. And they're motivated to reveal what is true. And they're concerned with revealing what other, po what other people's motives are. And they have a natural discernment. So growing up, I felt... Um, rather odd in my family. Not because I didn't feel loved, because I, I really, I knew I was loved. That was just not, no, my family's so close. In fact, we were, I was visiting with someone in the hospital this week and, and they were thanking me for being there for them and I said, listen, my family, if anybody's having anything done, we're all there and mom's got snacks because we're gonna have a party. We're just that close of a family. We're always together. But my I always reacted to things and I thought about things so much differently than my father and my brother and my mom and my sister. I thought differently. So my dad would have people come in and would counsel them. Uh, they counseled at the house most of the time and so uh, he would have people come in and after about the second or third time and they're saying the same things, I'm saying, Dad, tell them to get over it. You know, tell them to get over it, move on. because. I, didn't, I don't have that thing that just has a lot of patience. And Dad's just super patient. He said, James, I can't do that because, you know. Well, it's just, it bothered me. I felt like I was a bad person because I thought that way. And I tried so hard to change it. I tried so hard to change it. I was a, I'm so bad. I'm so bad. Because I'm, I'm not so patient. I'm not really patient like my dad. I'm not real, you know, I don't really... You know, I want people to do good. Now, I'll talk to them a little bit, but after a while, if they don't do what I, you know, take my recommendations, then it's like, I've got nothing for you. That's just who, who I am. And so, I come, to under, come to find out, my dad, when we took this assessment, my dad's number one gifting, which we'll talk about the last one, is mercy. My very last gift is mercy. <laughs> My dad's very last gift is prophecy. What's my number one? Prophecy. So I found out, listen, I've got this prophecy. I see things black and white. I'm very blunt. I'm very to the point. I, I can see right to the heart of something. I've got this discerning thing. And if I don't guard against it, if I don't watch it, it'll become a critical spirit. 
That's something I have to guard against because I can see things. I can see into people's lives. I can see stuff happening. No, I can't read your mind. Don't worry about that. But I'm just saying I can see things and I can tell my wife, listen, there's something not right about that. She'll say, you think so? Yeah. There's, and sure enough, I might not know exactly what it is, but, but I have to guard against that criticalness. But my dad, he was so merciful that he got run over a lot. People, people used him so much that he, you know, he got burned out some of the times. There was one instance, we had a family, a couple that came and were coming to dad, mom and dad for counseling. We lived out in the country and we had a mobile home, double wide mobile home that had big old bay windows on the end. It's both, both sides had big old bay windows. You could see down the road, down the driveway, and then the nearest neighbor was probably a mile and a half, two miles away. And so we had a white rock road, so you could see, once they left the highway, you could see the dust cloud of them coming home. So we were out in the country. So these people would come out, and they would come to Dad, and they were having marital problems. And I, I don't know, I guess they were just, because we lived in a mobile home, and the hallway was kind of a shotgun thing, I just, they sent me to bed, but I left my door open because I'm just curious. It's all good out. I'm nosy. So I listen. I learn things. But, you know, mom and dad didn't make sure every door was closed and stuff like that. They were, so these people would come and they would counsel with mom and dad. So periodically they would go for a walk. The two couples would go for a walk just to kind of cool down, stuff like that. Well, I was, they were... They were out for a walk, and I was looking, kind of watching down the road, and I saw them coming, and Dad and the woman were walking together, and Mom and the husband were walking together behind them. And all of a sudden, I discerned that she was becoming romantically attracted to my dad. I just I, I discerned it. I, I felt it. I knew it. I just I can't tell you how I knew it. I just knew it. And it, it bothered me. It bothered me so because, I, you know, I, at that age, I didn't know what to do with it. So after they left, I said, I told, I went to mom and dad. I said, dad, I think, I think she's starting to fall in love with you or what she thinks is falling in love with you. I think she's becoming romantically, romantically attracted to you. And mom said, I think he's right. You know, women can see that. She said, I think he's right. She said, we need to stop counseling them. And they did. Because I could see it. My dad couldn't see it because his mercy and his compassion and his patience, he was just trying to help somebody. Yeah. See, we've got to understand where our strengths are and rely on other people's strengths where we are weak. That's why we're a body. That's why we're always compared to a body because we all are individual parts. I, I, again, this is, I'm still not plug in the book, but I take each one of the gifts and I use and I compare them to a part of the body. So prophecy, they are the eyes of the body. They see things. They, they're the ones that, that can see. They're the visionary people. And so then we look at uh, serving. Serving is the second one. And they're mo they motivated to meet the physical needs of others. They help organizations feed the hungry and they must do something to help. They've got to do something. And in the book, if I could have put my mama's picture, I would have put her picture in that serving thing because that is who she is. 
I had the best example to use in the book. In fact, uh, next uh, Tuesday, my podcast is going to be released, and I did an interview with her, a two-part interview, and I, I, I have a podcast that come out, comes out once a week on Tuesday, and I actually sat down at her table with her and did an interview asking her about her serving gift and when does she notice it and that sort of stuff. But see, people that have a gift of serving, they have to do something for somebody. They just have to do something. They can't let stuff, they can't, if they saw a piece of paper on the floor, you know, a lot of people would never see it because they're, they're looking up here. Servers are always looking, they're very aware of their surroundings. They're always looking at what needs to be done. You don't have to tell a person with the gift of serving that something needs to be done. My mom, she could be doing an event and uh, putting together an event. And so, you know, she's organized the tables and put the food out and all this other stuff. And she's off talking because she's also a social butterfly. She just loves talking to people and she gets high off of people. And she's just, we, we say she's a party looking for a place to happen. Uh, in fact, she, she's, uh, she's 70, 74 um, and will be 75 in November, 74 in November. Uh, I forget. Anyway, but she's a 24-year breast cancer survivor. We did the Race for the Cure in Austin this morning to celebrate with her. She was there. But uh, my dad passed away in uh, 2012 with Alzheimer's at 69. But my mom can wear a 25-year-old out, I mean, because she can work them down. Because she's just that, she is driven. She has to do something. So when my dad passed away, she'd always served him. She'd always facilitated him. She had to reinvent herself. Sorry, I stopped my story. My wife tells me I don't finish my stories, so I need to finish my story. So she's in an event, she's got all this other stuff, and she's talking to somebody, but she's scanning the room watching everything and before the iced tea dispenser is empty she says could you go get some more tea where a lot of people say oh we're out of tea and then they got to go make it mom's already got it made she's got it ready and she'll say could you go get some tea to fill that dispenser before he runs out because she's aware she's got that serving thing see if you put someone in charge of a, an event like that that doesn't have that serving gift people gonna go hungry because it's oh we run out of this oh well, should we do this and should we do that? I don't know, you know. So that's where we use strategy. But the problem is, is there is, with that serving gift, their motivation is misunderstood because they, they don't want to be seen. They don't want to be recognized for what they do. Yet they really do, kind of do. But people can take that, that whole thing of we wanted, I want to do, I want to do as them showing off. And that's not exactly what they're doing. They can be easily offended if you don't show them appreciation. And they also take care for others. They take people's care on. And then they can look down their noses at people who don't see the physical needs. In other words, you don't see that paper. You don't see that trash can's full. You, why don't you throw that trash can's full and run it over? I don't know. I just shoved it in. And so I, you know. Again, we've got to understand what our gifts are, what our strengths are, and let somebody that has the strength to do that thing and whoever has the weakness not, because then things will work better. One quick story, another story with serving. I go to a, a uh, conference every year and the church will remain nameless. And every year I go, 
I go in, and see my number four gift is serving. So I, I have that from my mother, I get that from my mother. I didn't get the mercy thing from my dad because it's still down at the bottom, but that serving thing I still, I love to serve. And then I'm an organizer as well, so I've got that leadership gift. So I'll go in and they've got, you, you walk in, and this may not bother anybody else, but you walk in and here is the drink table. You walk past the drink table to get, go get your entree. And then you go over here and get your sides. But then you have to break through the line to get your drink. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> that just gives you a little insight into my quirkiness. So I hope you learned something. You heard something that re you really enjoyed and something that taught you something. Please listen next week as we finish the second part of this episode on self-awareness. I believe there's some truths that you're going to be able to learn from. There's some things we're going to be able to teach you that are going to help you in becoming self-aware. Again, this is one of the most important things for a leader to do is to be self-aware, to know who they are, know all their surroundings, know their strengths and their weaknesses, know their blind spots, that sort of thing. So I want you to stay with me next week. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it on your social media so your friends can know about it. Let's get this out so everyone can hear this valuable information. I believe it's so valuable to us as people and as leaders. Also, on the website, discoveru-book.com, discoveru-book.com, there's a link to download the first chapter of the book. There is a link to download the assessment. There's a link to order the book. There's a media page that has the videos and this podcast on it. On the podcast description, there is also a link that you can support this podcast. You can support it financially by helping me to, to be able to publish it, to be able to produce it, everything I need to do. And it's just going to be so beneficial if you could do that for me. I ask that you prayerfully consider to do that. But be sure and listen next week as we finish this up. There's going to be some more funny stories, some more things to talk about. And I look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Discover You podcast with your host, James Hooper. This podcast exists to help you grow both spiritually and personally. If you enjoyed it and think others could benefit from the content provided, please go to your favorite podcast platform and leave a review and rating. This will help others find us more easily. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining us for the Discover You podcast.